Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. 508 texted in and said, Biden is getting slammed at a North Carolina church. Fact check. That's not true. That's not true at all. Biden is getting slammed at a South Carolina church. We just have to correct that. He is getting he's having a rough day. And actually, another texter 781 says, Grace. And I had said earlier in the show that I wasn't going to take a lot of this speech because Joe Biden drives me crazy and he's a tough way to start off the week. But now I'm changing my mind because 781 said, Grace, Biden is not having a great day at this church. First, he said he spent more time in that church than most black people or white people, came off as a yelling preacher, made it about his son, Bo, then got protested. Good times. Yeah, I've heard from the texters and you know i haven't heard the sound myself but we are going to grab it that the pro-palestinian protesters are giving joe biden a run for his money and if we know anything about joe biden it's that he does not handle hecklers well to be fair i don't know if i would handle them well either Uh, i think that's a the only person i've ever seen really know how to deal with hecklers is donald trump but joe is exceptionally bad at this partially because i don't think he even believes his own stances so he's so easily bullied remember he was at that fundraiser this fancy gala he has like one all the, every other night and he goes to this gala and everybody there is pro-israel for the most part and he gets one heckler who's screaming at him and because of that one heckler he bends the knee and he starts changing his tune for one person so needless to say, I don't know how well this speech is going to go after that. I think it really throws him off his game. Joining us now, who's actually the perfect person to talk about these pro-Palestinian activists, is good friend of the show and award-winning host Ari Hoffman. Ari joins us now. And Ari, I, I want to ask you, well, first, let's just get your reaction to this. Biden is delivering this speech at a South Carolina church. He's trying to reconnect with black voters who he's been losing in you know crazy numbers according to the polls, and now he's getting heckled by pro-Palestinian activists. How do you think he's going to handle this? And is this something that we're going to continue to see leading up to this election? Is he aware of where he is right now? I ask that. I'm not joking when I ask that. I ask that in all seriousness. Does he actually know where he even is? Does he know the difference between truth and fiction? Does he know where his lies end and the truth begins with anything he says? The fact that he has to go solidify his base in black churches shows how desperate the Democrat Party is to get him reelected and the fact that so many Democrats around the U.S. are doing absolutely nothing about these pro-Hamas activists shows how worried they're losing about losing their radical base. Yeah, and that's the part of it. And it it makes sense to me, Ari, that they're worried about losing this because it is a huge part of, maybe not a huge part, but it is a a valuable for them, a part of their voting block are these left-wing radicals. But when you see what these radicals are up to, like disrupting carolers at Christmas time or ruining Christmas tree lightings or, you know, putting graffiti on the White House gates, and then you realize this old man who was billed as some sort of moderate is so worried about ticking these people off. And Ari, I would argue that when he 
when he says to Bibi or to Israel, listen, you know, you're going to lose goodwill. You have to be careful about what, what the um, what the globe thinks about your actions. I think he's just projecting and he's just so fearful of these young people who have already made it clear that they don't like what he's doing. Let's look at Barack Obama in the 2012 election. He was desperate. His his policies weren't popular. He was starting to trail in the polls. He was starting to lose support. So he created this intersectional coalition, which is what we know now as the modern-day far left, of all the disaffected, of all the people who think that they, they deserve more and they want to tear down the country. And he put them all together. This is the Democrat base. And people need to get their heads wrapped around is that that's, this is what you're dealing with. It's not Democrat versus Republican. It's the people with common sense and everybody else. That's really what it is these days. And it doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative. All those people still have common sense values. It's the leftists. It's the leftivists, as I call them, <laughs> who have really lost their minds. And they are the base of the Democrat Party these days. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of the left wing radicals, I, I did want to ask for your take here, Ari. I know it's a few days old at this point, but it was big news last week. Claudine Gay finally resigned from Harvard. And now it's starting to make sense to me why they kept her for so long, because immediately afterwards, Bill Ackman and other people started saying, OK, well, now that she's gone, let's start talking about the people who chose her and, you know, let's get rid of them at Harvard, because that's a problem, too. Do you think it's enough that Claudine Gay resigned or do you think that these schools have to go a step further? I think they have to go much further. I mean, Harvard is the pinnacle of the education elite. And what Harvard does, everybody else wants to do. That's what everybody else aspires to do, including maybe even Yale. Sorry to offend, you know, a few of my family members who went there. But yeah, that's the case. Harvard sets the standard. They had to get rid of Claudine Gay because she was endangering the entire diversity, equity, inclusion agenda. And it's not just at Harvard. It's not just at Yale. It's not just at MIT. It's not just at Penn. It's at all these colleges. We're having the same problems out here at University of Washington. You know the Huskies right now are competing for the national championship in Houston. And I don't really want to cheer for them, even being from Washington State, because right now their school is filled with these pro-Hamas teachers, these pro-Hamas activists, and I feel almost dirty if I was to do that. So for me, I'm just saying no to the Huskies this year. You know, Ari, I didn't even think of this until right now when I'm talking to you, but last night, and I'm sure... I'm sure you watched it, or if not, you DVR'd it. The Golden Globes were last night, and, you know, besides the, what we, we've come to expect, you know, the very amusing opening monologue that nobody laughs at, the low ratings, you know, the boring speeches, we usually get a lot of virtue signaling, and we usually get a lot of people who are upset about something or talking about a certain cause that's close to them. I didn't hear anything about a cause that's very close to you and, and something that occurred on October 7th that I think changed the world as we know it. I don't think I heard anything about that. And I could have missed it. I want to say that because I didn't watch the full like six hours or however long it is. But it definitely was not as um, obvious as some other moments in award shows past. 
you know me, Grace. I mean, you follow my social media. If there had been a clip like that last night, I would have been sharing it and going, congratulations to so-and-so or thank you to so-and-so. That would have been me. There was nothing like that last night. But here's something else about the Golden Globes. Why are they losing the ratings so bad? One, the shows are boring. Two, nobody's seen the movies anymore because what platform is it on? Is anybody going to the movies anymore? Half the stuff comes from Netflix, and you can always say, well, I'll see it later. But then there's people like me. I'm a conservative radio host who loves movies, who loves entertainment, who used to subscribe to Entertainment Weekly, who used to see every single one of these crap things and used to watch every one of these shows. Mm -hmm. And I don't watch them anymore because of virtue signaling garbage and because the content they're making is so terrible, I got nobody to cheer for. I'm not even interested in this stuff anymore. So who's watching it? Maybe the relatives of the people getting awards who didn't get a half a million dollar grab bag from the Academy or whoever it was to go to this thing. Those are really the only people left, and maybe the people in the industry. That's it. Everybody else is tired of the virtue signaling. They're tired of the politics. They're tired of the elitism. Yeah, and don't try to tell me that it's not virtue signaling, because when you have a group of people who, you know, they all wore, I can't remember if they all wore white or they all wore black after the Harvey Weinstein news came out. Meanwhile, these people were praising Harvey Weinstein for decades, and then they all turned on a dime and said, oh, we're all going to dress alike to show that we stand against Harvey Weinstein. And then meanwhile, you have women raped in Israel at the kibbutzes and, and people, you know, chopped up into pieces, and none of these people can even drum up a little bit of courage to say anything with the platforms they have you're right that's exactly what it is it's virtue signaling and it just shows you how empty these people actually are Ari I do want to read you a Babylon Bee headline here because I think it ties into a story you've been following closely in Seattle so here's the Babylon Bee headline it says you know these fine citizens may really have a point and I'd like to learn more about their cause thinks driver blocked by protesters for three hours (laughs) your reaction Ari that's excellent You got my reaction. That's excellent. Yeah, I mean, so what you're seeing today in New York City is you're seeing a bunch of the bridges and tunnels were blocked by the pro-Hamas activists, and you're seeing video of New Yorkers screaming at them. And, you know, you don't mess with New Yorkers on their traffic. They got enough problems already. I mean, I'm sure it's kind of similar in Boston. That's just something you don't do, and you get the accent to go with it. But here in Seattle, it's worse. So at least in New York, within an hour, NYPD was on site and arresting people. In Seattle, I found out over the weekend that the mayor of Seattle gave the Seattle Police Department a stand-down order to not do anything about it. The King County Sheriff's Office was ordered to block the freeways for the protesters and says they they welcome mostly peaceful protests or whatever nonsense, virtue-signaling garbage they were spewing. And the Washington State Patrol, who has jurisdiction over the freeway, let the protesters stay there for over three hours. And here's how emboldened they are. They left behind their cars on the freeway and they had to be towed away. They know at worst case scenario, all they'll have to do is pay an impound fee, but that nothing's going to happen to them legally when you leave behind a car with your registration info on it, on the license plate. That's how emboldened they are here in Seattle. Oh, it's, it's, it's just insanity. And you're right. People just don't they don't care because they know they're going to get away with it. Um, Ari, I did want to ask you, um, I'm speaking with Ari Hoffman, and he's going to give out all his info at the end of this. So don't worry if you want to be able to find him. I did want to ask for your reaction from a really big story today about Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. And I, I find this a little bit ironic that the Biden administration is so quick to condemn Israel, to criticize Israel, to criticize the military operations. And then meanwhile, our Secretary of Defense can't even be bothered to let the President of the United States know when he's not going to be, you know, uh, in office or anywhere for six days. What's your reaction to that? 
Well, that seems to be the M.O. of this administration. Where's Joe Biden been for the last two weeks? He goes on vacation, then comes back to the White House just to go on vacation again. They've been keeping him out of the media eye. To Lloyd Austin's defense, who I cannot stand, who I think is terrible at his job, he's responsible for the Afghanistan disaster. This is a guy who's walking around with like six masks on when he's meeting foreign leaders during COVID. He's afraid of the cold. You think he's going to stop terrorists? He probably thinks this is the M.O. of this Biden administration. Oh, something's not going well, just hide from the press. Something's not going well, just go disappear. Pete Buttigieg does it all the time. Oh, supply chain shortage? Sure, let's go on vacation. Let's take a private jet funded by the taxpayers to parts unknown and just disappear. I mean, I can see why Lloyd Austin thought he would get away with it. Or, question is, did they tell him, oh yeah, just take a few days off, nobody's going to notice because, you know, it's New Year's or whatever the case may be. And then he got busted and now they're turning on him. Either one of those scenarios, I think, is entirely plausible with this disastrous administration. Yeah, and they do have a very low opinion of the the press. So maybe they thought the press wouldn't do any sort of snooping around. That wouldn't surprise me either. Ari Hoffman, will you let people know where they can listen to you, where they can read your work, and where they can find you on Twitter? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at The Hoffather. You can read my articles in The Post Millennial. You can listen to me at kvi.com. Ari, thank you so much. I wish we had more time because our Ari was telling me recently how a lot of reporters actually were given the opportunity to um, watch a screening about the October 7th footage and they chickened out. And if we had more time, I'd go into it because I think it's despicable that the people who are supposed to be delivering the truth and, and you know, making people aware of the atrocities that occurred that day don't even have the stomach for it. They have the stomach to minimize it, to downplay it, to spread Hamas propaganda, but they don't have the stomach to watch the actual footage. Um, We will talk to Ari again soon, though, so don't worry about that. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Dr. Houghton of Perfect Smiles is the best. Now, if you're if you're thinking about getting your smile worked on, and I mean, no matter what it is, if you just want to get a teeth cleaning or if you want to get your entire smile transformed, I think one of the things that holds people back is, well, it's kind of twofold. You're, you're worried because you want someone who's going to be gentle, who's going to go at your own pace, but you also don't want to feel judged. I've talked to people before who say, I'm scared I'm going to go in and they're going to tell me all these things are wrong and that I should have done this. This is a judgment-free place. Dr. Houghton is the nicest person He wants this to be a great experience for you. He wants to help you get the smile that you want. So whatever that is, whatever the fix is that that he thinks that you can, um, that works for your smile, he's going to help you get there in a non-judgmental, move at your own pace kind of way. And that's what I love about Dr. Houghton. And that's the vibe that you get from every single person on his team. They're very nice. They're very patient. And they love what they do. They're excellent at what they do. And you don't want people working on your teeth who aren't excellent at it. You want the best when it comes to your smile. So take care of yourself. It's 2024. This is your year. You want to do something great for yourself, and this is it. You deserve it. Call Perfect Smiles in Nashville, New Hampshire. You can go to perfectsmiles.com and check out the video testimonials, or you can visit them. They're located right off Route 3. They've got plenty of parking. It's easy to get to. That's perfectsmiles.com. Change your smile. Change your life. You'll be happy you did. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show.
Look, folks. I understand their. I understand their passion, and I've been quietly working. I've been quietly working with the Israeli government to get them to reduce and significantly get out of Gaza. Oh, okay. So he's he's already letting them know. Like, I'm I'm going to do what you want. Don't worry. Okay, this is working. You yelling at me and ruining my speeches. It's working. I have to say this. He's a heckler's dream. Like, if you're a heckler, Jared, if you're in the heckling business, you couldn't find someone who's going to get more tripped up when it comes to having their teleprompter speech disrupted than Joe Biden. It takes all of his might. It takes all of his strength and focus to stay on message when it's quiet, when there's nothing happening. Let alone, I think sometimes the applause throws him off a little bit. So to have people yelling at him, he's got no shot. Like that speech is that speech is done for. Did he really say he spent more time in a church than most black people? Yeah, he was talking. Uh, I think I can find the clip here. He was talking about how he spent more time in his Delaware. Yeah, here it is. I was talking downstairs. I uh, I've spent more time in uh, the uh, Bethel AME Church in Wilmington, Delaware, than I have. Uh, than most people I know, black or white, have spent in that church. Because that's where I started. No, I'm serious. I started a civil rights movement. I used to go to 7.30 mass. Then I'd go to 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock service with the reverend who was then running the church. You go to the 7.30 bishop, and the 10 o'clock? Bishop, and I'm told your bishop had been there before in South Africa. Wait, I have a few questions. Did he say he started the civil rights movement? He started a civil rights movement. Oh, not okay. the civil rights movement. <laughs> a civil rights movement. Oh, yeah, no, he man, told that, I thought he started the whole thing. He told that story before. He'd go to 730 at the White Catholic Church. Then he'd go to Mass at uh, 10 o'clock after that at the Black Church. Oh. Yeah, you might have been on maternity leave for that one, but this is a, this is a rehash of another wow, I missed, story. I missed so much. That and the cocaine at the White House, man. Yeah, we, we did get some of the greatest hits, though. We got the oil slick on the windshield today. We got the thin walls and the headboard, hearing his dad rustling around. Oh, I don't like the headboard one. You know <laughs> hey. I don't like that one. Wait, I have a question. He started yeah. a civil rights movement. Yes. Now, he would go to mass twice. I didn't know that. I didn't know that he would double dip on a Sunday. He would go 730. You consistently underestimate this man. Wow. There's never enough. There's never enough masses for Joe Biden. He's going to multiple. Um, the part of this that I would like to tell Joe, and someone should have told him this when he was a little kid. It's not a competition. Do you ever have this like, okay, so sometimes I'll go to mass, right? And my husband, my husband's busy or, you know, if he doesn't go or something, he'll say to me, oh, I'll say, oh, I saw so-and-so. Oh, were they wondering why I wasn't there? Did they ask why? And I, I say to him, I say, people don't go to mass to keep tabs on whether or not you're going to mass. At least not if they're true, like churchgoers. And I'm not trying to claim that I'm some holy roller. I go, I don't go as often as I should, but I know that the people who go, because I have people in my life who go all the time, I know they're not going to to scan around the seats and see who's skipping out that Sunday. They're going to connect with God. Now, yeah, God's not taking attendance. He's not. Now, Joe Biden wants you to know, though, that he goes more than you do. I go to mass more than you. It's not a competition, you weirdo. And, and he always does this with everything. It's like not enough that... He's part of a community. He has to be raised in the community. It's not enough that he went to church. He went twice, and he went more than anybody else. 
Congratulations, Joe. What's it like being so damn fabulous? 844-500-4242. We will have more cuts just like that. And I also want to talk about speaker Mike Johnson and his latest interview with CBS. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. In our time, there's still the old ghost of new new garments. We all need to rise to meet the moment. Thank gosh the hecklers didn't step on that line. Because I would have hated to miss it. It's delivered so well. So much confidence. Um, Joe Biden speaking today at a church in South Carolina. Not uh, going well, as you probably could have predicted. Something I wanted to talk about here, though, was over the weekend, Jared, we, we had discussed how January 6th was falling on a Saturday. And I said, this is kind of a bummer for the media. This is a big day for them. You know, they bring out all the experts. They put together all the montages and the documentaries. They talk about, you know, what they remember about it. And and Joe Biden did deliver a speech on Friday about how uh, a lot of the people, a lot of the Capitol Police officers, how frightened they were. And I I believe, Jerry, didn't he say something like one of the officers was more scared that day than when he was fighting in Iraq? Iraq, yeah. But Joe Biden and Jill went to all the funerals of all the Capitol Police officers. From that day, he said in that speech. So, any names mentioned? Did not mention any names. Shockingly weird. So the, he gives that speech on Friday, and Saturday comes. I don't know, Jared, if you were glued to CNN or MSNBC on Saturday. I didn't see any of the coverage over over the weekend. I'm sure they did the best they could, but it reminds me of kind of like in school when your birthday doesn't fall on a weekday, and you know, the whole class doesn't have to say happy birthday to you. Nobody's nobody's there to hear it. So I think they probably were a little bummed out, but they're still trying to make it work. And this is a different conversation that I don't think we've had in a while. We're heading into, we're in 2024, but we're heading into this election. The Iowa caucus is next week. It's going to be a week from today. And the reason I bring that up is because as we get closer, and if these polls keep coming in the way they do, and they're not looking great for Joe, He's losing support. Uh, There's a lot of key critical swing states that he's not doing well in, especially uh, going up against Nikki Haley, of all people. But even going up against Donald Trump, it's not looking good. And I think that the Democrats are going to start rolling out their strategy and you'll see it. And I don't think the January 6th, I think there's like three or four that they're going to lean on. January 6th is one of them. They're hoping to bring that back to life. They're hoping to make that fresh again in people's minds. That's going to be a hard sell, especially when you think of all the things we've witnessed since Joe Biden's become president. The hyperbolic, you know, uh, crying about January 6th, it's not going to hit the same way three years later. Then I think they go, and I'm, I'm actually really surprised they haven't leaned on this even more so, I think they're probably waiting for a little bit more time to go by because they don't want to use it too early. But I think they're going to go very much into abortion because abortion played well for them in 2022. They're going to trot out the abortion issue and they're going to hope that that has the same. And it it could. In 2022, I severely underestimated how that hot button issue could really energize the Democrat base. And third, and this one I might be wrong on, and I'd be curious if anyone agrees or disagrees. Dr. Fauci today is testifying. 
And that made me think like third, I think in a panic, they go back to COVID or something like that. Some sort of scare tactic. Fauci, ouchie. But the closer we get and the more these polls come in and, and his support is cratering among key demographics, I think they're going to start going through the list. OK, what what can we lean on? Because you can't lean on Joe. You cannot lean on the fact that Joe Biden, they couldn't even lean on that in 2020. They didn't run on Joe Biden. What they ran on was Joe Biden is better than Donald Trump. And now I don't think they can run on that either. Because people have Trump's resume and they have Biden's resume. People will start comparing. And I don't think Joe Biden holds up well with those comparisons. So they're going to start picking issues that they think will get their voters out. And the drama and the exaggeration and the sky is falling style arguments are going to come in hot. You're going to be hearing it all the time. Like whatever it is, Jared, it's going to be the worst. I already saw over the weekend, like, Chuck Todd was comparing Trump to Hitler. That, for me, is, come up with something new, Chuck. Okay, that is, Change the record. It's so yesterday. It doesn't even, at this point, it doesn't even register with most people. It's like, oh, okay, yep, next, next up. They, they talk about it so often. Mussolini, Hitler, Stalin. Like, tell me something I don't know. You guys have been talking about this for four years. Longer. So, the reason I say all this is because Margaret Brennan was interviewing Speaker Mike Johnson. And she brings up the 2020 election. And I don't know if anyone else gets this feeling, but it's almost comical now when they bring this up and they want you to be so serious about it. And and I know for some people, for really, really Trump deranged people, they still, you know, they have it as their avatar on Twitter and they're still really mad about this. And they do think it was the worst thing since, I don't know if it's since 9-11 or since the Civil War or what, but they, they do in their minds, it's the worst thing. But Mike Johnson isn't that kind of guy. He, he's, he's Since not, the Civil War. He's not going to go for this. So listen to this exchange between Margaret Brennan and Speaker Mike Johnson on CBS. This is cut one. Back in uh, 2021, you were the lawmaker who circulated the, the legal brief known as the Texas Amicus Brief, um, challenging the 2020 election outcome in a number of states, which by CBS editorial standards makes you an election denier. That's so, nonsense. Well, that's, can I get you on the record on that? I've like, always been consistent on the record. Did you read the brief? Did you get a chance to read what we filed with the Supreme Court? Well, I... <laughs> I have read extensively some criticisms of that. You've you read commentary about the brief, but not what we submitted to the court. But right? you recognize that President Biden won the 2020 election. Can you the just put president that aside? President Biden as an was issue? certified as the winner of the election. He took the oath of office. He's been the president for three years. What I, the argument that we presented to the court, which is our only avenue to do so, was that the Constitution was clearly violated in the 2020 election. It's Article Two, Section One, and anyone can Google it and read it for themselves. The the system mm-hmm. by which you choose electors to elect the president of the United States uh, must be done by the individual states, and it, the system must be ratified. By the state legislatures that is language plain so language out of the constitution have issues with the validity of the 2020 election the constitution was violated in the run-up to the 2020 election not not always in bad faith but in in the aftermath of covid many states changed their election laws in ways that violated that plain language that's just a fact that was way too much for Margaret Brennan to handle i'm surprised her head didn't explode as he said that but you know what i i would tell Mike Johnson, who seems like a very, very smart guy and also a very calm guy, which is underrated. That's why I like Vivek, too, because they can they can deliver this without getting heated. And if you listen to my show and you hear me yelling all the time, you know, that's hard for me sometimes.
But one thing I would say is remember the time that Elon Musk was being interviewed by some, you know, hack reporter. And the reporter said, oh, well, there's cases of anti-Semitism or there's cases of hate uh, that have popped up more on X, formerly known as Twitter. And, and that, that hate has increased since you took over Twitter. And Elon Musk said, like what? And the reporter said, well, and he said, no, no, no. like what? Give, give an example. Give a citation. Give me an example. And again, the reporter said, well, you know, you know what I mean and blah, blah, blah. And Elon Musk would not accept it. He said, no, you're saying this. So give an example. If you're going to accuse me of something, give an example and I'll respond to it. I wish Johnson, when he said, did you read it? I wish he had stayed on that a little bit more. Because she says, I read criticism. I read... Sometimes I think Republicans let them off too easy where it's like he should have really embarrassed her in that moment because sometimes that's that's what it takes. Sometimes you have to embarrass someone and say, so you didn't read it. So you're accusing me of being an election denier, which, you know, according to you, is the worst thing in the world. Worse than being a Confederate, worse than, you know, the the people who caused 9-11. It's the worst thing in the world to be an election denier. But you didn't read the thing you're asking me about. Do I have that right? And make her answer it. Sometimes they get them and then they let them go. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they don't, they don't stick on it long enough. But his overall point is that you can't all of a sudden make this thing into if you question an election, you get this label, like she says, CBS says that you qualify as an election denier. So what does Hillary Clinton qualify as? What does Stacey Abrams qualify as? What does Al Gore qualify as? Do they meet the standards at CBS? Which, by the way, CBS and standards, that's just, that's a laugh right there. But let's talk about the election deniers that you want to win again. Let's talk about the election deniers, Margaret Brennan, that you support. It's only Republicans that can't be election deniers, according to our betters at CBS and NBC and ABC and MSNBC. And he's right to kind of just destroy this argument in such a calm way because it is laughable at this point. It's like we're going down this road again. You guys are the ones who keep bringing it up. You seem to be the ones who are obsessed with this. Republicans aren't writing books about this. That's Liz Cheney. But she's a Republican. No, no, she's not. That's your side. That's your networks that are talking about this round the clock. And the other part of this is because they know they can't just run against Trump. So they want Trump. I think they also kind of know in the media that when Trump constantly focuses on 2020, that that doesn't play well with voters. That's why I always say, like, he does so good when he's just looking towards the future. People like hope. People like to look forward to something. They don't want to rehash it. I understand why he rehashes it. I understand why he feels like he's been screwed over. But politically speaking, it would be more beneficial for him to move on from it. But they don't want him to move on from it. That's part of the ballot ban. That's part of these investigations. They want to keep bringing this up because they want it fresh in people's minds. Now, listen to Nancy Pelosi, okay? This is all in the same vein. This is ABC This Week. This is Cut 5. If, if, you, be- if you believe he engaged in insurrection under the plain meaning of the 14th Amendment, you believe he's ineligible to be president. Those laws, you know, those are up to the states. They have different laws from state to state. I don't think he should ever have it's been the Constitution. president. But nonetheless, but. 
that there, there is a view of the Constitution in Article 14, Section 3, that he should not be uh, able to run for president. But that's not the point. The point now is um, that, again, different states have different laws. We don't think in California that it, it applied. Uh, in our state. That's what the decision was made here. But anyway, not to go into that because that's very intricate. What is very clear is that the American people want us to honor our oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. We have to honor our oath to protect the Constitution by not abiding by what's in the Constitution. Do I have that right? I think I do. But the, the key part of that for me was when she says, because Stephanopoulos, as bad as he is, he kind of kept going back to that and asking her about the Constitution. And then she, she gives away the game. She says, not to get, we don't have to get into that because it's very intricate. And we had Brett Tolman, former uh, U.S. Attorney Brett Tolman, on last week. We talked about this because I said to Brett, if you missed the interview, you should check it out. I said to Brett that oftentimes when legalities get involved, when courts get involved, when these decisions come down, I get intimidated because I'm not used to reading all this stuff. I'm not used to explaining it to people. And I sometimes think that's the point. And Brett said, lawyers aren't any smarter than anybody else. They speak a different language, though. And a lot of these politicians are banking on the fact that people don't speak that language. And so they'll either check out or they won't understand it. They'll get intimidated by it. And so Nancy Pelosi, by saying, oh, it's, she's saying it's too intricate. What she's really saying is, all you stupid people at home, you don't need to worry about that. You worry about what's coming out of my mouth. You soak that in. You can't understand the intricacies of the Constitution or of kicking Trump off the ballot. Just know that that's what's best for you. We can make that decision. If you learn too much about it, then you'll want to make your own decisions. We can't have that. So she says it's too intricate. And it takes me back to the COVID days where Fauci, who we're hopefully going to get some cuts of today, Fauci was banking on the same thing. Let me say enough words like conceivably and probably and possibly and reference all these medical terms. And then nobody will dig into what I'm doing. Nobody will look under the hood. It's very condescending. It's very demeaning. And it's part of the Democrat strategy. And a lot of times, sadly, it works. And but let's play one more, Jared, just because I know we played this already, but I think it's worth repeating. Nancy Pelosi, I love that she says behooves. I got to start working that into my my everyday language. This is cut two. And it's a challenge that we have in our country. And it's a reflection of a dis. We have people who don't want to believe the truth for whatever attitudes they have otherwise. But again, during this period, this campaign year, it behooves us. Uh, to speak with respect for all concern in a unifying way to bring people together. It behooves us to pretend to respect half the country. It behooves us to pretend that we don't find the deplorables disgusting. That we don't find the boomer rubes to be complete morons. That, that's what behooves us right now. But once we get past the election, we can go back to the old ways. You can go back to being rude to everybody looking down on half the country, trying to lock people down, trying to, you know, destroy their businesses, telling them that they have no business in their children's education. We can get back to all that, but we got to win first. We got to maintain our power first. In her own way, Nancy Pelosi is very transparent. I think that's just the age, though, Jared. I think her age is catching up to her. Didn't sound as sharp as she usually does in that interview. We'll be right back. We'll take your calls. It's 844-500-4242. And I want to talk about the Biden administration 
There's reports from this website, Semaphore, that the campaign team has been organizing what they're calling off-the-record trips and lecturing media outlets about how to cover them better and how to do their jobs better. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is the Grace Curley Show. Today's poll question is brought to you by Colette Tours and the November 16th listener getaway to Iceland with Caroline Levitt. Even if you just want to click on it to find out more about it, I think you guys will be really impressed with the trip that is planned here. It looks like it's going to be a blast. And as someone who's had the pleasure of getting to know Caroline over the years, she would be a really fun person to travel with. And I think you guys would have a great time. So for more information, go to gracecurlyshow.com and click on the listener getaway banner. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is who deserves to be fired more? Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin or DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas? I'm still going Austin. You can't bail out of work and not tell anybody (laughs) where you are and that's no matter what job you have i don't care if you're you know getting coffees for people you you don't do that you learn that at a very young age you show up for work unless you want to get bleep canned and that's what should happen here so i'm saying austin it's shrinking now only eight (laughs) percent for lloyd austin 92 percent for mallorca i don't blame people mallorca is terrible the border is a disgrace and I have a story, actually, I'm leaning heavily today on Politico, of all places, but sometimes their their write-ups just crack me up. There's a story now about how Democrats are really worried that Eric Adams, between Eric Adams and the New York Post covers, that he's creating too much potential momentum for Republicans. Like, they're not worried about the fact that they have all these people camped out outside hotels in Midtown that they can't pay for, or that people are sending their kids to these schools that are already, you know, a disaster. They're worried that Eric Adams is giving his political opponents too much ammo. We'll talk about that. We'll take your calls. And Bill Broussard, all coming up next. Next.